podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in the third and final hour here on Monday morning. And that means it is time for, well, first of all, I got to bring this down and make sure, make sure I can remember to do all this correctly. You got to stop this one, right? And then I can come over here and I can play this one. I didn't set it up as easy as I could have for myself. a smart thing to do would have been to just have the intro for the third hour on Mondays be this, but you know, I'm not that forward thinking, I guess. Yeah, that's what I did when I filled in. I, I just did the intro uh, uh, every hour. Um, for some reason, my Facebook Reels feed is giving me constant Rolling Stone and Beatles old stuff now. So, Well, because you've got your phone in here in the studio when we're talking about it, so oh. it knows that you like it. Okay. <laughs> See? You gotta be careful what you say around your phone. Just because you're not on it doesn't mean it's not listening. <laughs> Well, uh, we are going to be turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And if you want to call in during the segment, 508-996-0500. But we've got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. Um, I guess let's start off by talking about what went on this weekend. Uh, we'll get into the UMass protest because there's, there's news about that uh, that has been made over the weekend. But in terms of the Fairhaven protest, you, you were there earlier than I was. Uh, and you said that when you arrived... There were more people that were there in support of the migrants staying at the seaport, and then there were against it. Yeah, far more. There, there were about 50 people in support of the migrants, and about 15 that I counted. This was about 9, 10 when I arrived, and I stayed till about quarter of um, 10. Okay, so it did start at 9. Yes. yes. Okay, there was yeah. some question. I was following along in the Fairhaven Facebook groups to see when people were going to go down, if they were going to go down. Yeah, it, it, it grew. I, I would say like 9.30 was like the peak uh, of when I was there. Um I think uh, Channel 12 was there but and um, Rhode Island Public Radio. But there wasn't a whole lot of media uh, at that point. Um, I talked to both sides. Um, it, it was a little bit of a tense situation. Uh, in all honesty, and uh, I, I guess folks can, can think what they want because I'm a progressive myself, but there was some real catcalling going on from the anti, uh, the, the group that doesn't want the um, immigrants in the, um, the motel. Uh, uh, there were three priests there, one from St. Joseph's, and one from St. Mary's, and one from Sacred Heart. And uh, they were called pedophiles by one of the protesters. Uh, there were people saying that sex offenders were going to be uh, staying there. I, um, I actually heard uh, from one of the organizers of the pro-immigrants that um, there's only one family there so far. 
And I don't know if they were around. I didn't see them. But that's, that's all that's there so see, far. I spoke to somebody at the hotel and said no, they said no families were there yet. Okay, so, so it's not a whole lot of people yet. And even, even so, we have, we have the protests. Um, the people that were there, you know, held signs. The people um, that, for the immigrants held signs like, you know, I am my brother's keeper and, you know, things like that. And the people that were, were against it uh, uh, signs like, you know, basically that, that they don't want them there. So uh, I talked to both sides. Um, uh, one of the organizers, he was very nice. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I could see some of their concerns. You know, I, I think that the border policy right now, you know, we need to have a better border policy. I think both Democrats and the Republicans have had 30 years to fix it, and they haven't. Um, and they really need to come up with a plan that both sides can live with. But we are where we are. Uh, I, I personally, you know, think that people should be able to come and work and, and don't, have to put them up in motels and the state shouldn't have to um, uh, pay for all that. But, but since they are here and they can't work, I think we do have to do that. So, so, um, but when I was there, it was, it was, it was far more people in favor of it than, than against it. So I arrived probably a little bit before 11 when I got there, it was something like, I want to say it was 36 on one side and 38 or 39 on the other that I counted. Now people are moving around. So my count might not be accurate, but it seemed pretty even. Um, and the, the folks on the pro side, again, I'm just going to call it pro and anti to make it easier, but the folks on the pro side were kind of all huddled together. And so it was a little bit harder to count them. And then the folks on the other side were a little bit more spread out. They had more space over there. Um, so that was, you know, when I was there, I saw, uh, channel 10 came when I was there. Uh, Carlos Felix came. Um, I know that, uh, Steve Richard was there at one point for new Bedford guide. So I don't know exactly what point that was uh but i i didn't see him when i was there but i you know might not have seen what he was yeah. doing if he was there when i was there very early it, it was ugly and i and I, I will say that the people who were pro them staying there uh uh did not respond to some of the taunts it was, it was the same uh, when i was there yeah. uh, and i i felt that the people that were taunting the other side it, it just it just looked poor it looked rough it looked bullying um it was know, it that's exactly the know, word that it was it was bullying and and i Again, I do, I, I do understand people's concerns about the number of immigrants who are coming now and the failure of the country, both sides, to address this problem. But I don't think that when it gets down to the level of they're already here and the state has decided a policy to, you know, people voted for the present governor. People voted uh, for, has decided to follow a policy. I don't know why you would make it difficult for the people who are here, who including, who have children, uh, some of them, with them so and correct me if i'm wrong and maybe it was different when you were there but i didn't see anybody on the pro side that was saying bring them all here bring more here welcome in everybody i saw them saying let's welcome the families that are being brought here yes. and let's treat them with respect yes yes that that's exactly right they, they, they were saying i mean the the feeling that i got was they felt that that they're here and we should be kind to them uh some some of them had uh, bible verses that they said, you know, uh, the stranger among you, like the Good Samaritan, things like that. Take care of, of, of those who are strangers among you. So it was, it was very much like that. I, I felt that these were good mainstream people. And I felt that the people on the other side were good mainstream people. But the people on the other side were, some of them, not all of them, were, were, were shouting some pretty um, 
mean-spirited That's punks. important to, to, to make a, disting, a, a distinction about. There were a lot of people that were on the anti-side that were just holding their signs, that were quiet, yeah. that were, you know, just out there to show the support for what they believe. There was just a few people who were ridiculously over the top, and they were just, like, playing a MAGA's greatest hits yeah. of, you know... You support pedophiles, as you said. You support uh, sex trafficking, um, which, you know, these people are coming here so that they don't get sex trafficked. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that there are a percentage of bad guys among the immigrants who come over, just as there are a percentage of bad guys in the American general population. You know, some of them, you know, and so you say, well, we don't want to let any bad guys in. But even with, when you have legal immigration, some bad guys get it, come in. So I think that it's a canard. I, I, think, I think there is... Just a lot of xenophobia, a lot of, you know, what, what looks like racism. I was trying to stay as impartial as I could because, like, I'm, I wasn't there to take a side. I was there to take some photos and to gather information so I could talk about it on the air. And, but I started to kind of, like, find myself under my breath. I couldn't, couldn't help it. Like, just because it was, so, the stuff that was coming out was so ridiculous. And at one point, I just wanted to walk over there and be like, you know, you're c talking about all these criminals and all these people that are supposedly criminals. I'd like to see all of your criminal records, you know, before you decide to start throwing stones at somebody else. And, and then my favorite was, I, I mentioned this before, somebody brought donuts for the pro side. And they had pulled in and they dropped off the donuts and then they went and they parked their car and then they came back and they joined in. And immediately the other side is like, oh, of course, of course, you're like a free lunch. Arr! Like, they're like, we paid for these donuts. Like, sorry yeah. that we were forward thinking enough to have somebody stop and get us something to eat. Yeah, I, I, I actually was a little fearful for this area. That that that, that the, the the viciousness of some of it, and I was because you know I'm a, a known personality, I'm well known, and and I'm you know obviously a, a progressive. I was a little bit nervous going over to talk to them, but I did, and um, the, the gentleman I talked to was very nice, and uh, I think we could both see each other's positions. Uh, 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 he told me that he thought his wife was going to be very upset knowing that he talked to me, but I don't think it. We should be in America and certainly not on the South Coast and in Fairhaven afraid to go talk to people we disagree with. And so the fact that there are some people that, that we're now getting to the point where you, you worry about, can I even talk to these people? Will they be so mad at me that they won't even be able to to talk to me? Like, Well, and, and the difference is, is it, you get the, the people who were there, I think, for the issue. I think we're taking it seriously and we're being respectful about it. And then there were the people that just showed up because they thought it was a Trump rally. Like I saw the signs, the, the flags, Trump 2024, the sign, the election was stolen, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, this, this is not what this is about. And if you're coming down there joining in under those auspices, I'm going to just guess that you're not armed with all the information that you need to be about this issue. Yeah, the flag, the American flag is being used as a, as a weapon. I think at, at one point there were two or three flags on the... Um, the side of the people that didn't want the people staying at the motel and the other side had one flag and then i heard somebody say you only have one flag i, I thought I, <laughs> really is that is that what this was that what debate has come down to you know and, and 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 so we have more american flags than you do so we are more american than you are i i, I don't know I don't know either. 508-996-0500. Sorry, there was a caller calling in and I just went to go and get it and you stopped. But if you want to call back in, you certainly can. But the, the important thing is, is, you know, there are more families that are coming here. Um, Angie Lopes-Ellison, the town administrator in Fairhaven, said to Channel 10, 
you know, we're calling them unsheltered families because we're not sure that they're all migrants. So there might be some other folks that are coming here that aren't migrants that are being put in there because I looked at the kind of the way this is all working and the there's let me see, let me see if I can give you the exact number because I had it in my story. But there's Give me a second here. So there are 6,820 families as of Friday registered in the state shelter system. Of that number, 3,121 are currently housed in hotels or motels. 3,589 are in traditional shelters. So this is not, you know, the only way that they are taking care of people. I think the way that, as I was reading into this, those traditional shelters are now full. And this is the emergency plan that they go in when they don't have the room in those shelters for their people. Yeah. I, I get the criticism that we have to take care of our first, our, our own first before we take care of other people. But the problem is that we have never done a great job with the homeless in terms of getting them in permanent housing, which is what they really need, and uh, caring for their uh, mental health and substance abuse problems. And now we have this additional problem of these refugees or migrants or whatever you want to call them coming and you know you, you really just you know so someone wants to give them some basic help when we haven't given enough help to somebody else i don't think it's an either or proposition and and really if you don't house them they're here they're going to be in more trouble if you don't house them like you know so and i i think the real problem i think uh uh chris mccarthy has mentioned this you got to put them to work and you know you guys, the Democrats and the Republicans, work out a border, a border policy, a better border policy, which I've said many times the quotas are too low. The quotas are much lower for the Central Americans than they are for the Northern Europeans. Raise the quotas, then you'll get the seafood workers, the meatpacking workers that, that the employers say that they need. But, uh, you know, we have to fix the system. And until the system is, isn't, is fixed, you know, just um, begrudging people... Uh, Again, I think it's better to have them work than to have the state paying them in, in motels. But since they can't work, you know, they're in, in and, the motels. And that was the telling answer that I get from people when I ask the question. Sorry, I was going to try and get that fly and I hit the microphone. But that's the, the, the telling answer I get when I say, well, so if they can put these people to work and if they could pay for the hotel room themselves and they were just paying the regular going rate to stay in the hotel, would you have an issue with that? And then when they come back and say yes, then I'm like, well, then your problem isn't with what's going on. Your problem is with the people themselves. Also, if you say we should raise the quotas so the employers can get these people that they want, they say, no, no, we shouldn't raise the quotas. We have too many people here from other countries already. And so that begins to look like xenophobia. Like, uh, well, we got to take a break here. 508-996-0500. We're going to take that break. When we come back, we'll talk about the other protests that Jack attended this weekend, and we'll talk some more with you as well. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack's Blaine. We'll be taking your phone calls at 508-996-0500. We're going to be going into the news in just a moment. When we come back on the other side of that, we'll talk about the UMass protest and what's going on with the UMass and the Star Store situation. We'll also talk about the New Bedford election. Uh, some people saying 6% turnout, abysmal. Other people saying 6% turnout. Well, let's really talk about the real numbers of registered voters in the city. Bottom line is 4,000 or so people came out and voted. That's not enough. So we can discuss that as well. But one thing that I wanted to let you know about before we go into the news is something that you probably take for granted, but that you don't really think about until you need it. And that is insurance. 
When it comes to insurance, you want someone that you can trust, right? You want to make sure that there's somebody who is there when you need them and there isn't there that somebody that's just collecting your payment every month. And then when the time comes that you actually need to, to make a claim, they put you through all kinds of hoops to have to jump through in order to get that money back. Well, founded in 1852 and providing insurance locally for almost two centuries, the staff over there at Paul and Dixon Insurance, that is a name that you can trust. They're located on County Street in the historic William Roger Rodman House. They've got a staff that averages over 15 years experience and they have access to over 30 carriers. So they know how to find you the insurance that you need. They know how to get you into insurance like things like, uh, like Arbella. Arbella, of course, is the same kind of approach the same kind of we're there for you mentality as opposed to some of these other companies that are just about making sure that you sign up and then, you know, if you have to actually make a claim, making you jump through those hoops. Not Arbella and certainly not Paul and Dixon Insurance. Uh, they work with many other reputable insurance companies, but uh, Arbella, of course, is one of the top ones that you can sign up for when you go to Paul and Dixon. It is a name you can trust. It is people that you know, folks that live here in the community with you, and folks that, just like you, have gone through the same kind of struggles. So stop by Paul and Dixon. They're located on the William, in the William Roch Rodman House in the north end of New Bedford, or you can give them a call at 508-996-8593 or visit them online at pd-ins.com. That's pd-ins.com. We're going to put this call on hold and I hope they're not calling for insurance because you, you, you'd you want to call the Paul and Dixon number, not me. I'm not good with an insurance. I can't help you out. I just go with whatever they tell me to get. But uh, we will take your calls when we come back on the other side of the news, and we'll talk more with Jack Spillane. Check out his column at newbedfordlight.org on the election. Check out Colin Hogan's reporting on what happened with the UMass Dartmouth situation on Friday and with that protest that took place, and we're going to get into all of that as well. Also, go ahead and check out an article that Barry has over at WBSM.com. And on the app, speaking of historic buildings in New Bedford, he has a story today about a building in New Bedford that actually predates George Washington's inauguration. So we're talking about a real historic building uh, right in downtown New Bedford that you can visit for yourself. So find out all about it at WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. But right now it is time to go into the newsroom and get all of the top stories of the day with Ariel Dorsey. At least four Americans are among the dead after surprise attacks on Israel triggered the start of an all-out war over the weekend. This is now the third day of Israeli forces battling the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Speaking on Sunday, Senator Chuck Schumer said he'd been briefed by senior national security and State Department officials and that he expects the number of American deaths to rise. More than 120,000 Palestinians have been displaced in Gaza as the war between Hamas militants and Israel rages on. That's according to the United States Nations. The death toll so far has passed 1,100. Hamas, which launched the incredibly coordinated attack from Gaza over the weekend, has taken dozens of hostages, including some American citizens, according to Israeli authorities. United Auto Workers union members at the Volvo Group-owned Mack trucks are officially on strike after rejecting a tentative contract agreement. In a letter Sunday, UAW President Sean Fain said a majority of workers voted against the deal, which included a 19% pay raise. 
The union represents roughly 4,000 workers in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Florida. This comes as thousands of UAW members across at least 20 states remain on strike against the big three U.S. automakers. A man is dead and several others are injured after a shooting at a party in Pennsylvania. Police say it happened early Sunday at a private community center party in Indiana County. The victim who was killed was pronounced dead at the scene. At least eight others were wounded and hospitalized. Authorities say they're looking for more than one gunman. Investigators looking into the improper storage of more than 100 bodies at a Colorado funeral home are working to establish contact with the families affected. It's in Penrose, which is about 30 miles southwest of Colorado Springs. Officials confirmed Friday that the Fremont County Coroner's Office is working to identify the bodies, but that process could take several months. A man accused of faking his own death to avoid rape charges in Utah is set to be extradited to the U.S. Nicholas Alaverdian, who also goes by Nicholas Rossi, insists he is an Irishman named Arthur Knight and had been living in Scotland. However, he was captured at a hospital in the U.K. and police believed his tattoos and fingerprints proved otherwise. In sports, the Patriots have been blown out in back-to-back games. New England was shut out by the New Orleans Saints 34-0 at Gillette Stadium. Mac Jones completed 12 of his 22 pass attempts for 110 yards and two interceptions before being benched for the second straight week. Bailey Zappi completed three of nine for 22 yards in relief. And New England is now last in the AFC East at 1-4 and and will visit the Las Vegas Raiders this week. The Celtics started their preseason with a 114 to 106 win over the Philadelphia 76ers at TD Garden. Peyton Pritchard led all scorers with 26 points off the bench for the Seas. Jason Tatum recorded a double double after scoring 13 points and grabbing 10 rebounds. Boston continues its exhibition slate when it visits the New York Knicks tonight at Madison Square Garden. Before last night's game, it was also announced that the Celtics signed Pritchard to a four-year $30 million extension. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Fabulous, refreshing fall air this morning with temperatures on the cool side. We'll see clouds increasing by this afternoon and overnight. We'll see temperatures dipping into the mid to upper 40s. Meanwhile, this afternoon in the mid to lower 60s, a bit cooler than average. The normal highs should be in the mid-60s for tomorrow's slight chance for showers. From the ABC Weather Center, I'm Ceci Del Carmen, your meteorologist on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. 1420 WBSM, as crystal clear as FM. Stream us on the WBSM app. And welcome back in. I am here with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We are turning on the light. And Jack, we had mentioned the protest, uh, the rally, whatever you want to call it, that happened in Fairhaven on Saturday morning. But there was also one regarding the Star Store issue with UMass Dartmouth. And you said it actually took place right under the Chancellor's office window? Yes, right under the administration building um, on UMass Dartmouth campus in Dartmouth. A um, hundred students or so and their uh, faculty supporters. Uh, the Chancellor did not, I don't know if he was there, he did not come down to them. The governor said she was going to try to get them a meeting with the Chancellor. My understanding from the students is that 
the chancellor has not met with them. The provost, who was sort of like the business manager of the campus, um, met with them. They found him to be very dismissive and, you know, uncooperative. Uh, the big news was that that uh, Mayor Mitchell and um, uh, Santa Martigny said that they endorsed them getting their money back. Although Mitchell's uh, statement was, um, I, I found it a little um, weak. He said that at the very least they should get some of their money back. I, I think the way that they've been treated, they should get all their money back. Um, I don't know how, even if they got that Bed Bath & Beyond campus open tomorrow, that you can't say that their semester has been ruined. They're almost at midterms, and they haven't been able to get into the um, uh, the studios or the uh, or the teaching space yet. So uh, uh, the kids are, you know, this really is boiling down to um, an argument about what do you value and UMass's determination to be quote a research university, and you know just just hollowing out this this College of Visual and Performing Arts, you really have to start to wonder, do they even want to um, keep it at all long-term? I mean, right now, I think the university's credibility is so low, the way they, they, they the way they've treated these students, is that it's hard to believe anything that they say. I mean, they, they keep saying that we really want to stay in New Bedford, but we just can't. And yet, Senator Montigny says that, sign on the dotted line, sign for the dollar, and we'll, 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 we'll let you stay. Now, what they say is that UMass Building Authority, this, you know, this sort of mysterious agency that I've written about that controls all building and maintenance for the uh, uh, university campuses, won't let us. I've called them. They won't talk to me. I've done a public records request. They wouldn't give me the letters that they have had have to the developer, Paul Downey. We're going to get those letters because we're going to appeal that public records request. But, but the, you know, the, and the governor just seems to be invisible. You know, these students are at their wit's end, but I, I got to give, give it to them. They're, they're really, a college experience for which they paid a lot of money has really been, I think, ruined. Because I, I don't think you can rehabilitate it halfway through the semester. I think the semester has to be totally redone. And the university just doesn't seem to care. And, you know, it, it's obviously you're not going to give them a full tuition reimbursement because they're still taking other courses. They're still getting an education. They're just not able to take these courses. So if you reimburse the tuition for those courses for 100 students, then, and, and I don't know that that's how many were actually in those courses that can't be completed, how much is that really going to cost the university for something that would be, at the very least, a good PR move? Uh, oh, no, I, I think these, these are graduate students that, that are in that Bed Bath & Beyond campus. These are people who are mainly taking... Um, studio courses. I don't know how many other courses they're taking. Well, but how but, many how many of those courses can they not take because the facilities aren't adequate? I mean, I mean, I think particularly for like a third year graduate student, your whole your whole life, I would think, would be in that studio. Like, you know, I don't I don't know what else you'll be doing in your third year of an MFA program, but but painting or making ceramics or or printmaking or whatever. Well, it but is. you can paint in a different facility. Right, at your home, I suppose. Or I wherever else they're going to put them. If they put them in the Bed Bath & Beyond building, they can well, paint there. they haven't there. put them anywhere. No, but I'm saying if they, uh, if they did put them there. But the, I'm just saying you don't have to give them the full, full amount reimbursement, even if you did. I think you do. I, I think that if, if you're halfway through school and you have all this, 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 all this, everything about your, your semester has been thrown into upheaval and you don't know what's coming and going, I think the whole experience so, has been ruined. So then fine, even if you do. Isn't, isn't that still a small amount of money to pay to at least be able to save a little face here in this yeah, situation? The, the, the university, as I understand it, has not offered that. And 
what they have said, what I have heard when I was at that protest was that the provost said things to them like, uh, and again, I don't know, but this is what I was told, that, that um, you could withdraw and there won't be any penalties. You know, we won't like, you know, you won't, it won't be on a re- your record as having flunked out or having, you know, we'll, we'll Gee, just, thanks. it'll be like you never existed as if, as if they were the cause of the whole problem. Right. You know, uh, and, and a semester lost yeah. to your education. Yeah. And I will say when this, it didn't need to be, I will say this, the students continue to say that they support New Bedford in its effort to have economic development in the city and have that campus in the city. And they said it was not the kind of, it was not the, the, um, falling apart campus that has been described as the roof needed to be fixed the roof of a lot of buildings needs to be fixed that was the only the only really main big problem yes long term you could fix the hvac system the floors some other things when i asked them to the university to detail to me what what needed to be done to get to 70 million dollars they were saying things like new doors and stuff like that you know my house needs new doors like you know lots of buildings need new doors like you know all the evidence is is they, they just don't want to be in New Bedford, if not, don't want to run an art school. Let's uh, let's take this call here. Good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning, guy. Good morning. What's on your mind? Do you believe the Biden administration has operational control of the U.S. southern border? Well, there's border patrol that are down there stopping people every day. Do we have control of it? Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of evidence that we don't have control of it right now. I, you know, I think that the Biden administration made a mistake when they said that they were you know, going to welcome everybody that the Trump administration didn't let in. But I think that there were still people getting through during the Trump administration. And I think that we, we really have a problem because the Democrats and the Republicans have not come together to agree on a policy that neither side wants to compromise. And until we get a better border policy... That's where we're going to be. But if but then, oh, you cut out on us a little bit there. Republicans and Democrats can't come to an agreement. The flow continues. Uh, your phone's dropping out on us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a problem. I don't, I, I don't agree with Governor Healy's you know, policy of having to house all immigrants that come. I think a better policy is to let them to work. I've said that many times. Um, but I think once they're here and they can't work, not to put them up in the motels would be inhumane. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of bad policy making all around. And I, I don't really see the value of people going down to protest in front of that motel, you know, when, when really, I mean, the people are here now. It's the government that is not, you know, the, legis- the Congress that, and the president that have not come to a better immigration system. And I, I don't. Oh, we're, we're really losing you. We're, you just keep cutting out on us. So I'm going to have to have you call back. Uh, and why don't I take a break here? But that was just, I, I just want everybody to know yeah. that it was the phone dropping out. That wasn't anything we yeah. were doing. So yeah, we couldn't hear. Uh, and I will say this too. Uh, if you missed on Saturday, Jessica was out. She was sick. 
uh, but filling in for her was Paul Santos, and he had as his guest attorney Ross Bluestein, who is an immigration lawyer, and he shared some really insightful information. It's worth going and checking out on the podcast to hear about some of how, you know, some of the actualities of how this all works, as opposed to just some of the things that you, people have heard or people have said. You can actually hear from somebody who's there every day uh, working on the issue. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few. Welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. If you have any questions, 508-996-0500 or any comments to make. Uh, Jack, I, we, we can certainly talk some more about the UMass situation, but I do want to bring up the preliminary election that happened last week. Uh, you pointed out in your column that you wrote in newbedfordlight.org that it was an impressive showing by uh, Councillor Shane Burgo, who, again, so. If you look at this, this is a person who kind of came in as the lowest vote getter, uh, enough to fill that what was a vacant seat uh, or a seat that was being vacated in the last election. But now you look at him coming in as number two. Again, it's a preliminary election. But we also, I think a lot of folks looked at this and said, well, the position that he's taking on rent stabilization is probably going to hurt him a little bit in some, some people's eyes. And as you pointed out in your column, it actually could have helped him with a lot of voters as well. 61% of the people in New Bedford are renters. There are far more people who are renters than there are owners of, of property in New Bedford. So I never got it when, when people just said, oh, rent control is going to really hurt him. Now, maybe the people who vote are more... I was going to say, I'd like to know what the statistics are for but, the, but, those who vote. But whatever, um, evidently the people who voted in the preliminary didn't mind his position. Um, I think Shane is more than just rent control. I mean, he's a very nice, affable, smart young man. And I think people like that. There's been a lot of people that have been on there for a long time. He's not one of them. And so I think you can say, oh, well, it's the ballot position. He went from fifth to second because now his, his name is second on the ballot. But Naomi Connie's name is third in the ballot. And she went down to fifth. So uh, you, you really, I think however you cut it, this was a good showing for Shane. And I think that rent control is not as unpopular in New Bedford, you know, among the general population and maybe even among some of the voters as you think. Now, it all, the devil is in the details. You certainly don't want a rent control program like they had in Cambridge or New York City or San Francisco in places where it was very hard for the landlords to raise any rent and, you know, there weren't strong enough exemptions for owner-occupied property and, and things like that. But, but I think that we do have a housing crisis in the city. We do have a lot of people who formerly could afford to rent an apartment who now can't. And, you know, so I think that Shane's positions on that, you know, I, I think a lot of people do like it. And, and, and it, I, I know that there hasn't been a formal plan presented, but the, a lot of the discussions that I've heard Councilor Burgo having is that it's really just looking to put a cap on how much the rate, how much it can be raised, you know, from one year to the next. Yeah. It's not about keeping people from being able to get a fair market rate for the apartment. It's about making sure that they don't go from eight hundred to eighteen hundred in the course of just one, you know, one lease. Right. Now that's why he's calling it rent stabilization, not rent control. But I don't see the big distinction in the two. But I, I do think that um, any government program, it's hard to do it so that it's administered fairly and equitably, and that it doesn't become too regulatory and too burdensome. But I think that we are in a situation where we've got to do something. We have just a huge amount of speculation going on in New Bedford. I'm a homeowner in New Bedford, and every week I receive three or four cards in the mail, flyers in the mail, letters in the mail of people wanting to buy my home. 
Now, I love my home. I think it's a nice little house, but, but I don't think it's anything special. You know, these are people who are, who are trying to speculate and make money. And because I live in a ward that's demographically probably uh, uh, working class, uh, you know, I think that they think that maybe I have a little less income than they do. Not that I have a lot of income. And so uh, they, I feel like they, they're targeting me. I think that that's, I don't want all this kind of speculation going on in the uh, people who control property in the city because we do have local landlords who by and large know the people that they rent to and act humanely. And then we have people for who it's just a, a number on the properties that they, ho- that they hold and they don't care. They're, they're perfectly willing, as we saw on Elm Street last year, to go from 800 to 1500 in a, in a single swoop. And so that's what Shane is trying to stop. And I think that people have maybe seen a little bit of that now. There's also been a, a lot of talk about the low turnout. I, I really take issue with that, and I did in my column. So in the preliminary election, you always, in, in, in the preliminary primary elections, for the federal government even, you have much lower turnouts than you have in final elections. The way to compare New Bedford's turnout is in the final election. In the last final election New Bedford had, it was a 10.8% turnout, and there wasn't even a mayoral election. In Fairhaven this year, we had a 13.8% turnout. In Dartmouth for the town election, we had a 12.7% turnout. So 10, 12, and 13, they're all in the same ballpark. Nobody's getting 40 or 50% turnouts. So this, this, there's been a framing of the issue that somehow New Bedford's turnout is colossally lower than other communities, when actually it's very comparable. Well, you know, part of it, too, is that that 6%, is based on the sixty-six thousand no, percent in the preliminary, right? I'm, 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 but right. I'm referring to the preliminary election. The six percent that that happened last Tuesday is six percent of the sixty-six thousand reported registered voters in New Bedford. You and I both know there's no way there's sixty-six thousand yeah. registered voters there's in the city. Only a hundred and one thousand people in the city, so I doubt that the sixty-six thousand. We also have. I would say five, six, seven thousand undocumented people in the city. So they're not registered to vote. So, uh, but counted in the in the census. Yes. So, so New Bedford has long had a time a hard time culling its 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 voting rolls. Someone should do an investigation on that because I'm not sure why this why the elections office has such a hard time culling its voting rolls. I know when I got here in 1999, the the elections office had four full time clerks. And somewhere around the, the crash of 2001, 2002, uh, we went to two clerks, and it's been two clerks ever since then. Uh, once in a while, Mayor Mitchell will give them some help with some people from other, other city hall departments. But I think they need some help in that election office. Um, you know, there's certainly criticisms that, that can be made of how that election office functions. I, I, I don't think it's a, a great functioning office. I don't think it's a terrible functioning office. I've seen equal dysfunction from Eileen Lowney, the former town clerk in Fairhaven, where she was letting people behind the, 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 the counter and, and forgetting to count absentee ballots. So, you know, there's, you know we've had problems in local elections, you know, up and down for a long time. I think Manny could do better. I think that he could do a lot worse. But I think that, that New Bedford has to come up with a plan for calling the voting lists. And, uh, you know, that's been a problem when Maria was there, Maria Tomasi, the former um, elections commissioner. So, you know, uh, but, but as far as New Bedford's voter turnout, it's very comparable to Dartmouth and Fairhaven. So I don't, I don't know what 
people are talking about when they, they say, oh, it's, it's just so, so terrible in New Bedford. It's, it's terrible everywhere. People don't vote anymore because we are a stratified society that does not have a uniform uh, way of getting information the way we did years ago. Let's, uh, let's take a quick call here. Good morning. You're next with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning. Uh, regarding the voting, do we know if one particular ward had a stronger turnout than another? We're to assume five was probably the strongest because yeah. they had they had a contested race. Ward five is almost, which is the um, uh, older uh, upper middle class area of the city. A lot of uh, uh, college educated people live there. It's always the strongest uh, voting area in New Bedford. Ward one is a strong voting. It's a little more um, of a, a t- typical middle class uh, population in Ward one. The tip of the peninsula is another big voting precincts are always the lowest voting precincts are always Ward 2, parts of Ward 3. That's where the lowest places are. Okay. I was just kind of curious if there was a place in the city that actually always had a stronger turnout than uh, other wards. And I think that, 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 I guess that that would be true anywhere, that, 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 that the, the more sure. middle-class places of Fairhaven and Dartmouth do better than the more blue-collar neighborhoods of Fairhaven and Dartmouth. That's, that's just the way voting is. And we, we saw in Wareham, you know, the, the precincts that had the easiest access to get to and less of a pain to get to had the better turnout. Yeah. Nobody wanted to go vote at the Elks Club because you got out of the Elks Club and you couldn't turn right. You can only turn left. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do think that um, the Latino population in New Bedford it is not voting in high numbers. I was good to see Guillermo Santiago. She, I think she finished ninth in the race, but she reportedly registered 600 uh, new voters in, in the Latino community. I think when that community comes of age, you know, they're going to be a force in the city. They're not there yet, but um, that's part of the reason why the, why, why the city struggles. But the city is not greatly out of step with, with other areas when it comes to local elections. People have too many options now. You never have to watch the local news. Like, when I was growing up, every all three stations had the local news at 5 and 6 o'clock. You had no choice but to watch it. Uh, everybody had a community paper. That mm-hmm. was what was in the, the news, was the community politics. You don't have that anymore, so... All right. Well, let's take our final break. We'll be right back in just a few... All right, our final 30 seconds with Jack's Blaine. Jack, what are you working on this week? Uh, I think I'm going back to the start... Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. 